Welcome to season four of the For Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, and one of the lay elders here at Redemption Church Gateway. This season, we're going to explore the cultural trends of Gen Z. Why? As a church with a mission to make disciples, we want to discover how we can best connect with them, understand their unique challenges, and learn from them as we ultimately walk towards Jesus. So who are Gen Z or Generation Z? These are preteens and young adults born between 1997 and 2012 with an age range of 10 to 25 compared to millennials with an age range of 26 to 41. Here are some cultural and historical touch points uh, for reference. Most were born after 9-11. The oldest member of Gen Z was seven when Facebook started and 10 years old when the first iPhone was launched. And the youngest member of Gen Z was born when Marvel released the first Avenger movie. So that was 10 years ago. On this episode, we're going to discuss growing up in the church. What is their unique vantage point to uh, attending our church with their families from the beginning of their, well, not the beginning of their lives, but a very early age. So um, starting over here, give us your uh, first name and age. Uh, I'm Josh, and I'm 19. I'm Josiah, and I'm 18. I'm Jacob, and I'm 22, but when you're listening to this, 23. So Redemption Church Gateway, formerly Second Mile Church, it was launched in January of 2009, which means most of our guests were less than 10 years old when they started attending with their families. So which means they really grew up in the church physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually here at Redemption Church Gateway. So um, maybe tell us kind of how old or if you remember what year you started attending the church. Yeah, I mean, we started doing preview services for Second Mile Church, um, you said in 2009? Eight. 2008. 2008. So, yeah, yeah. So I would have actually just turned nine when we um, when we started here. Um, I, I think my family started coming just a little bit after Second Mile started. So, you know, like mid-2009. Um, and I would have been six years old. Five going on six. Okay. Uh, for us, I think... We, I started coming here around 2018, whereas my parents finally joined in around 2019. So I would have been 15 going on to 16. So early ages for all of you. So do you remember the church that you were attending before um, Second Mile and or, or Redemption Church Gateway? And what was that church like, if you remember any anything about it? Um. So we used to, well, we, we did a little bit of church hopping for a bit, but Prior to this one, I guess our main church was called Encuentro, and it was a Spanish church, um, and we just served a lot there. My my parents did, and uh, it was fun. I mean, it was very small, and I, I mean, I know Spanish, but I was also a kid, so I would fall asleep in the services often. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, I was pretty young, so I don't remember super well. Um, I, I think we used to attend Sovereign Grace when I was like two or three years old. Um, but I remember going to VBSs at different churches. That's my main uh, early church memories. Did any of you all, any of the other two go to VBS? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Loved and, it. And Awanas. Oh, oh, yeah. Awana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Awana. Wow. VBS and Awana. Oh, nice. I love it. <laughs> Jacob, how old? Uh, Oh yeah, the, the the church we attended before uh, Second Mile and, and Redemption Church Gateway uh, was East Valley Bible Church, which is now uh, Redemption Gilbert. Um, I I have more memories of East Valley Bible Church just because uh, my mom and dad were uh, you know 
uh, involved. I, I remember uh, specifically my dad would be helping prepare like snacks. And so we'd be back in like this kitchen area cutting fruit and stuff like that. It was good times. This is true. Times, yeah. We we cut the fruit for the um, Sunday school teachers so that they would have yes. like really good snacks. And because I have culinary training, I have some skills with the knife. And so I would turn a regular watermelon into like a watermelon basket with you know all the fruits. Yeah, it was so fun. So yeah, it was fun. Um, where what church were you guys baptized at? If you have been baptized, um, I was baptized. What was that? I was like. I was pretty young, like five or six, but at a church called Grace Point. It's all the way in Indiana, though. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I was baptized at Gateway here when I was in eighth grade. Okay. Uh, I was baptized uh, in Second Mile Church pretty pretty quickly after we started. I can't remember exactly my age. Do you remember, Dad? Eight or nine? Eight or nine. Yeah. Maybe. Around there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then were you guys all involved in youth group? Tell us about youth group here at Redemption Church Gateway. <laughs> well, I mean, I I personally loved it. It's where I found all my like closest friends, and and th- I'm not getting paid to say this, but <laughs> <laughs> no one's getting paid, but <laughs> on, on this show. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, it was it was really a blessing, and I feel like if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be. I guess I could have been led, you know, by other things in life, but I was driven because of youth group so yeah yeah for me youth group I started serving a lot so I joined like the student band and I helped with setup and teardown things like that um and so that's kind of that's why like how I got connected in the church really because before you know you show up on a Sunday um you know but that's about it um and then yeah like the small group there were certain kids in my group that I was close with and as we got older I got to watch them change and we grew apart and I grew closer to other kids that I didn't know when I was in sixth grade. Um, and I'm still friends with those guys now. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love growing up in our youth group. Um, when I started at our youth group, our leader was uh, Eloy Garza. Uh, he was our youth group pastor. Um, and then uh, a couple years after that, uh, Josh Watt was our youth group pastor. And he, 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 he was my youth group pastor. Uh, growing uh, up. Who was that again? Josh Watt. <laughs> oh, now the... <laughs> lead pastor of Redemption North Mountain. Um, yeah, shout, he, shout out to you, Josh, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, you know I, I loved growing up uh, in, our, in, uh, in our youth group. There was, there were some tough things about it. You know, I, I had, you know, like difficulties sometimes like socially and, and, and you know, just like growing, like growing up with mental illness, um, just some difficulties there. But um, yeah, overall, it, it, it was a place of, um, you know, weekly, direction towards the gospel. Um, and of course, I mean, th- there is nothing like growing up and having, it's so like my mentor, um, uh, I, I had a, had a couple mentors over the, you know, um, uh, over the course of my growing up, but, uh, Joe Heller was my main mentor. Shout out Joe. Um, and, uh, th- there is nothing like as a young kid, having somebody to look to and, and ask them questions that maybe you're too scared to ask your parents or to, you know, like, and, and have an adult really love and care for you and pour into and be excited to see you every single week. Mm. Joshua, Josiah, did you guys have any mentors that, that really stood out to you guys? Yeah. So I, I only have had two over the course of being there because I started in ninth grade, but I had uh, Dan Toth and Juan Williams, and they were pretty sick. I mean, like, they were great guys who 
invested a lot into us. Like we were so proud of having them because we always felt like, I mean, we were like, ah, oh, these are the greatest mentors ever because they're <laughs> uh-huh. thinking about us constantly and they're like planning things out for us. But it was great. So they're being intentional and thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like just another project or another person in the group. Like you felt like they actually cared about you and was excited to, to, you know, pour into your life. Yeah. It really felt like they were coming here to, to bless us rather than wow. just coming to check off a box. Yeah. yeah. Josiah. Yeah. I went through a lot of mentors. I think I had like five, maybe six different mentors throughout my time. Oh, yeah. Was that because of you? They just didn't yeah. like you. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm out of here. Troublemaker. No, I remember there was a point we almost split our, our group of guys because there was like, you know, 25 or 30 of us. Wow. And then the next year there was like 10 of us. And oh. yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I feel like uh, a large amount of my mentors were very stoic kind of guys, mm. but they cared deeply. You know, so they, they didn't always say explicitly, like, you guys mean a ton to me, but through their actions, you knew that they cared. And they showed up, like, every single week. They, you know, they would sacrifice their weekends at winter camps and fuses, and it, it's it's insane what the mentors here uh, at Gateway do. So what's your overall view of kind of youth group or youth ministries? Um, I mean, mine is, a, I, I, I mean, just having, like, a... Um, like a Bible school education, I can sometimes be really wary of, of youth group environments. I knew a lot of people, um, who had just had really, really negative experiences. Mm. Um, mostly just because like when you are in charge of the spiritual development of a large group of children, um, you know, not, not a lot of people do that intentionally. Not a lot of people do that um, with, uh, the correct mindset. Um, but I felt growing up, uh, that the people who were, uh, leading the direction of our youth group had a really solid head on their shoulders and were, um, you know, a word that we've been kind of bouncing around is invested. And these people who are really, really invested in us as people, sometimes youth groups can become these like conversion machines, <laughs> just like our big metric is how many conversions mm. can we get per, you know, semester or whatever. Um, and, uh, that's not really at, at, at least how I see the focus of like our youth group. It's more about like, can we care and love for these, uh, kids and model for them the gospel, show them how beautiful the gospel is. Um, and then through that, if they want to, you know, like, you know, accept Christ as their Lord and savior, they can. Yeah. And that's like, you know, the mantra almost of uh, the student's ministry is no love center. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we've had conversations with like Josh Reese about it, how it's not center, no love, you know, like, like those words, what it means, you know, you know, the kid, you love the kid and then you center them on Christ. If you're trying to center them on Christ and just convert them, it's like two years from now they leave high school and they, they don't ever pray again. Right. You know? And my, the big thing I struggle with in youth groups is a lot of parents force their kids to go. Yeah, that's a tough one. And the kids might not want to go and they might graduate high school not wanting to go. Mm. And that's hard because it's like they know a lot about God at that point, but they're, they don't know God. Um, it's a chore. Yeah. Not really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. those kids kind of stick out? Like week in, week out, you can kind of see which ones just really do not want to be there and you can kind of tell their parents are forcing them to go. Yeah, it's 
it like from a physical standpoint, it's obvious. You know, a lot of kids might sit in the back rows on their phones, or they might, you know, go to the bathroom five or six times during the sermon, or <laughs> you know, th- like things. It's like they obviously don't want to be there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, what's your view of youth group? I mean, or youth ministries. So, oh, just as a whole, or ours? Yeah. Well, both. Okay. Um. Well, I've only really known our youth group. Um. My brother did go to a youth group at our old, I guess, two churches prior. Um, but he never really got connected there. So I I really enjoy ours, and I, I love it so much, especially now that I'm working in it too. Um, but I really do feel like they, they focus on that whole no love center. Mm. Um, these, you know, I, I've, I talked to a lot of the leaders there and, and they will know the kids by name, you know, like, I mean, so when I got brought on into the team, they were like, Hey, learn these kids, learn their, you know, things that they like. And, you know, at first it sounds like a job, but then you start talking to these kids and you're like, Holy smokes. Like (laughs) this is the best job ever. You know, like this is, this isn't even a job. This is me, you know, finding these people that I can really invest in and love on and, you know, I've had some of them come up and be like, hey, you know, I need this. And so I, I think it really is, it is beautiful. And I mean, I'm big, someone who's huge on community. I think that community is an insanely strong thing to have in life. Um, and so the fact that our focus is building that community is amazing. Mm. How do you, how do you think uh, your youth group experience will kind of affect your walk with Christ in the years to come? I think, like, one of the big things uh, Josh mentioned is the community. Um, In high school and junior high, I didn't feel a big importance in community as much as I did relationship with God. Um, But now that I'm in college age, community is such a huge thing. Like, my my walk with God, it might not be the best, but it's, like, formed by the community. I need people that will push me towards God. Mm. Um, And I think looking back on the student ministry— they did that so well. And I'm like, I'm almost trying to replicate certain aspects of that as, you know, like I'm getting involved in the college ministry. It's like, you know, these small groups, these these people that you can talk to about things, you're hanging out together. Um, so I think it it's made me aware of the importance of community. Yeah. What else, uh, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> like I feel like, a lot of times, um, and th- th- this isn't just youth ministries, but churches in general, sometimes uh, treat the gospel as though it's like just a set of propositional beliefs, you know, just kind of doctrinal check marks. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Um, and uh, sometimes, I, I mean, I, I've, I've known a lot of people who've gone to a lot of different youth ministries all across the United States, and I get the feeling that a lot of youth ministries tend to be like that is we're going to teach you this kind of this propositional belief. And as long as you kind of check, you know, the box, you're doing okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the, the, the gospel isn't about, you know, necessarily checking off certain doctrinal beliefs. It's about a love of Jesus Christ um, and lately a deep love of God. And, you know, I going to youth group, Although I was taught certain things, I have forgotten so much of what I was taught from that stage. 
Um, but what I have never forgotten is the love mm-hmm. of God that was poured into me. You know, something that Paul uh, writes in several of his letters says, imitate Christ. You know, um, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, like he's a human man on earth and he's like, this is how I, you know, follow Christ, follow me like this, you know. And um, I felt like I had certain leaders, like Joshua being one of them, where he got up on that stage and he's like, I love Jesus Christ and I'm going to show you how to love him too. Mm. Um, And I, you know, whatever verse we were going through that week, you know, may have gone in one ear out the other. Sorry, Josh, but you know, (laughs) some of that stuff, you know, the brain just just doesn't hold on to. Um, But his love for us and his love for Christ um, and my mentors, same thing, love for us and love for Christ has taught me that that's, that's the thing. Like as I walk through my life, as I continue on, what do I need in this life? Mm. Not just some checklist, but a deep love of God. Mm. Josh, anything you'd add? Anything like how youth group will impact your walk in the years to come? Do you think? I think it's definitely pointed me in a direction of, of life in general, where it's like, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I know that my goal is God. You know, it's, kind of like we were saying it's like invested that in me and i feel like you know like they've planted a little seed and although it's not grown yet i know what the pig picture is it's going to be this oak tree and so it's it's nice because it's like no matter how far i mess up i could be in prison you know i don't know (laughs) but i'd still be like i don't want to turn to these other things i want god yeah yeah um did you have friends that were in other youth groups like at other churches and Kind of what were their experiences? I mean, Jacob, you talked a little bit about some of your, probably your classmates at Moody that did not have great experience, but any of you guys have other friends that we went to other churches and other youth group experiences? I had a friend that attended a church um, that I, I won't say by name, either the person or the church, um, but he, he felt like their ministry was very much so a production. Mm. And that's a hard line, right? Like you yeah. want it to be high quality, but you yeah. don't want it to be a production. Yeah. Um, and really, I feel like that line is how well you know the leaders. Because mm. if you know and you can see that their hearts are good and it's a quote-unquote production, well, you know that they're just trying to make it good for you because they care about you deeply. Um, but he felt like it was so much of a production. And so he came to Gateway, and that's how I met him. Oh. He's like my best friend now. And, you know, we've known each other for like six years so I think that's one thing I've seen Yeah, is production. Production. Anyone else? No? Um, something that I have uh, witnessed, yeah, is that, uh, I, I think um, instilling certain Christian practices in young people uh, before they have the heart to do so, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really dangerous. Um, I know a lot of, and this is probably going to come up later, you know, in this podcast, but a huge um, kind of thing that's going on in our generation right now, mostly in the millennial generation, but all it's starting with the older um, Gen Z generation is, um, is deconstructing your faith. Um, And I think uh, so many people um, who have kind of told me their stories of deconstruction, a lot of it comes down to is they were taught certain Christian practices before they actually had the heart to do so, you know, uh, Things like, you know, going out and doing like street preaching, going out and trying to like, um, 
like share the gospel in terms of like, like, you know, like converting people to the gospel. Um, I know a lot of people who, you know, were, you know, taught how to, I mean, this is not indicative of our church, but like speaking in tongues from a very like early age, these kinds of like, they're attempting to instill cultural practices, um, before they know what that means, uh, before they know the significance of what they're doing. They're basically taught a script and are like, now go and do this because this is what Christians do. And then as they get older, it's like, there's this break because they were taught how to do something. And now it feels like a lie or a betrayal um, or some kind of weird indoctrination because the focus was not on where their heart was at, not on, you know, their love of God um, or kind of where, where they were at in their Christian journey, but, you know, basically instilling in them a practice um, of just kind of like, this is a cultural norm, participate or don't. Um, and when you're a kid, it's like, uh, well, I guess I am going to participate. <laughs> so yeah, yeah th- that's, 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 that's one of the things that I've hmm. seen that can become dangerous, I guess. But I, I'm, I'm sure, and I, I haven't been to our youth group in a long time and I would just kind of casually kind of came in, but I'm assuming that from the stage, there's an encouragement to read the word yeah. to pray. So yeah. Th- those things, those, those are, those are cultural, like, like, uh, like th- those are Christian practices that are meant for every Christian at every age. Um, prayer, uh, reading, uh, you know, like, uh, like reading the scriptures, those, the, you know, throughout scripture that is just blanketly given as all Christians or all people who love God do this. Mm. Um, but you know, there are certain practices that are, you know, like anointing people with oil <laughs> is not something that is said every Christian does this. But I know people who were in youth groups that were like, hey, you know, we need to do this. We need to go out into the city and do this. There's not much question as to whether or not you're ready to do this, whether you're ready to go out and start like evangelizing with kind of like a conversion script or not. Yeah. It's just we do this. Hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that misses, you know, like when Jesus was asked the most important commandment, it's like love God and love other people. Yeah. It's not go out and anoint people. Like there's the great commission, you <laughs> yeah. know, go make disciples, but but you make those disciples through love. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to go and, you know, say, hey, you're going to hell. I'm going to splash holy water on you. <laughs> right. Right. And so it's it's the practices without the heart. Y- yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely is what I've seen. So um, I'm sure you have friends that did not grow up in the church. So how do you see your life different um, as, you know, and how it's progressed by being part of the church, being part of the local community, being part of youth group, uh, and now to, at a point where you guys are serving and, and other capacities of actually taking on more of, of part of serving and uh, here at the, at the church. But, like, how do you see the difference between – growing up in a, in a home that went to church every Sunday and made that a priority compared to your friends where church was not a priority or wasn't even, not, not even on their radars. Like how do you, how do you see that, that difference? Are you asking like people that came to the church later or that never even no, like, came to yeah, the church? No, like, yeah, like, yeah, you're, you're kind of your friends outside of the church and just kind of looking at, you know, kids you knew like in junior high and high school, what were their lives? How were their lives marked or how was your life marked differently knowing that your, your family went to church? Like, can you see things that they were involved with? Can you see 
just a, a different, uh, you know, frame of mind in terms of uh, our framework of how life is supposed to be. I'm just got to be marked differently. You guys got to be marked differently by being in the church compared to being in a church or in a home without, without Christ. They had more sleep on Sundays. That's for sure. <laughs> I knew that. And l- unless you're Josh, cause Josh said that he used to sleep in church. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> hmm. I remember particularly in like ninth, tenth, and eleventh grade. Um, like I would look at these kids and I would think, yeah, they they got more sleep on Sundays. They weren't out really late. They had time for homework on Wednesdays, but <laughs> but they seemed so hopeless and alone, like constantly. They they you know, these kids wanted attention. They wanted to feel loved, and so they would do things that were not good for them to get that attention. And that, like, hurt me to see, like, because I was the opposite. I cared about this other person. Um, and it it's hard because so many people think that Christianity is just, like, a feel-good or, like, it's a religion, mm-hmm. in quotes, because, you know, there's religious practices of Christianity. But it's, I, I spoke with, you know, Josh with, about this last night. Like, Christianity is about being loved by God and loving God. You don't feel alone when you know there's somebody that loves you, right, you know? Right. And like the end goal of Christianity, you go to heaven, but what is heaven? Heaven is just experiencing the glory and love of God forever. Right? Like that that's all Christianity is about the love of God. Um and so these kids that don't have that love of God try to f- numb the pain. And like in the weight of glory, it talks about the problem isn't that we want too much. You know, the, the, or the problem isn't that we don't, oh man, that we, yeah, that we want too much, but that we don't want enough. Mm. You know, we're, we're content with, uh, you know, sex or drugs or, you know, just talking with people. But what we really want is that love of God. Mm. Um, and so it's just emptiness if you don't have that. Yeah. So hopelessness, no hope, you know, just, yeah, not, not knowing where to find that love. Whereas growing up in a Christian home or, you know, home that was you guys growing up in the church, you heard about this, this love that was so much bigger and better that was fulfilling. What else? How, how is your life different net growing up in the church compared to your friends that did not grow up in the church? So for me, I, I guess growing up um, until a certain point, it almost felt like, you know, not that these kids were having better lives, but they had kind of like that, like, you know, they had more time on Sunday, they had more time on this day doing whatever. Um, and it was like, I guess we live similar lives to an extent, aside from, you know, the religious practices, but because um, when you're young, all you care about is like having fun, you hating on homework, you know, yeah. eating Pop-Tarts and doing chores <laughs> or whatever, you know? Um, and so... I think it isn't something that I did or I grasped or even my peers grasped until later on in life when you really see the repercussions of, you know, not having that early foundation, I guess. Or even if you, I've seen people where they go to church all their childhood and they don't believe it, but they still have like, I don't know, I guess morals and stuff. They still have, um, often like better decisions you know uh, yeah. i don't know i mean some of them people completely turn away but 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, this might be better expressed with like, um, maybe not like an analogy, but an example. Um, think about like the American sitcom. I think you have four major phases of the American sitcom. You have the family years, 60s and 70s and 80s, where you have all the sitcoms are about families. You know, you have the Wonder Years. You have um, uh, Full House, like these kinds of things where the moral or the meaning is wrapped up inside of the family unit. And then you have the 90s with things like Friends or Seinfeld, where it's now your group of friends. It's moving away from kind of the American nuclear family right of let's just like okay this is where now moral and meaning is made instead of friend groups and then you have the early 2000s and kind of the still alive now which is the workplace you have the office you have parks and recreation moral and meaning is now made inside of work when i look at people around me and i see okay uh, who did not grow up in the church and who are not still currently going to church I kind of pinpoint, I do this kind of American, like this American sitcom test. I'm like, where are you finding morality and meaning in your life? And it's in those three places. Mm. Either they're dedicated to family, either they're making a family right now, um, or they're just really, you know, their family is a huge priority for them. Either it's their friend group. They're just in with their friends. They love to go party. They love to go game night. Da, 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 da. They're out with friends or their work is their thing. You know, work is where their family's at. Um, and the reason why the American sitcom is so important when you look at media is because this is how the culture views where meaning is made. If you don't grow up in the church or if you don't grow up in a religious, you know, in a kind of in a religious section, your only hope for meaning and morality is the culture. And so you have to look at the culture and the culture has three places where you can find meaning. It's in family, which has become disillusioned because nowadays, what does the American family even mean? It's in friends, which is tough in the media age when you're not hanging around with people. And it's in work, which is also tough because after COVID, it's like you can work from home. It's this complete disillusionment of where are you finding meaning and morality? That's kind of how, when I view of people who have grown up in, outside of the church, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to center where do you find meaning? And it's in usually one of those three places. Oh, that's good. How do your how do your non Christian friends like view church? Do they ask you about it? Do they not ask you about it? Do they is it one of those topics like well okay I know that these guys love Jesus and they go to church I'm not going to ask them about it it's like too too weird or too invasive or whatever or do you have friends that will make comments about your faith or your commitment to going to church? Um, <clears throat> for for me. I feel like it's often an avoided topic because mm. I'm not a very like preachy person, but I, you know, try so hard to be that light to those people that every aspect of my life will reflect and they'll, you know, see like, um, and so it often does come up when I'm with non-Christians, um, just kind of naturally, but they, they how do they bring it up or, uh, do, or do they just make little comments about it? I think I, I personally bring it. Oh, up. you bring it <laughs> up. Like indirectly. So you're trying to tee it up a little bit, yeah. see if they'll talk yeah. about it. But like like everything you do has some kind of drive behind it. What is that drive? You know, what what are your moral guidelines for that drive? What are your bumpers? Um and you know, for me that's that's God. That's the word of 
of God, the Bible. Um, and so you talk about anything below surface level, hey, how are you doing? And it immediately goes to God. Like you can't not talk yeah. about him. Right. Um, and especially like the school I grew up in, um, that's, that's what we did. We talked about morals for two hours a day every single day of the week. Wow. Yeah. And so God came up constantly. Um, but those kids felt like relig- like Christianity was a religion. And so they'd stay away from it. It's like, you're going to judge me. I'm a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. I want to feel good. And that's hard because that's part of Christianity is, yeah, you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. And you have to be able to admit that. That's the hardest part is admitting that you're not a good person. Um, and so it's a touchy topic. Many of them are disinclined towards church because of that aspect. Yeah. Would you say most of your friends went to church at one time and, and have left? Are they from other faith practices? Are they more agnostic or atheist? I think a lot of them were either agnostic and they had bad experiences with Christians mm. um, or they had a bad experience with a church. Yeah. Um, well, th- now all of my non-Christian friends have kind of lost contact. Uh, mm. Just, I mean, you know, a, a lot of them moved away for college or like, you know, after high school, people lose contact in general. But um, uh, the before, I guess, priorly, it was kind of just unspoken of on their pop, their count of being like, I I don't know if they were uninterested or if it was like, uh, oh, it'd be weird to talk about that. Um, for me, I didn't talk about it because I didn't feel equipped to. Yeah, I always felt like um, I don't want to come off as like holier than thou or, you know, because then that could ruin their whole image of it. Or not having an answer to a tough question. Yeah. And so, um, and at that point in time, I wasn't like very bold or even, even as, well, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't at the point I am now in my faith. So, um, I wasn't ever, it didn't come up to me to think like, Oh, I should invite them to this or whatever. So, but yeah. I, what was the rest of the question? I no, no, that, that was per, just like, what's the view of your non-Christian friends of, of your faith and, or your commitment to going to church and being part of Redemption Church Gateway? Yeah. Jacob? Um, one of the things that's tough about growing up in Arizona um, is you have a lot of friends who are Mormons, you know, who are part of the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, and, you know, I, I, I love them and I have a huge heart for them. Um, one of the things that's tough is um, there is, and, and I think this is taught in a way, they're, they're, they're taught to believe this, um, but there is an assumption that we have a shared understanding. That even though, you know, we go to different churches and, you know, they got the better books or whatever, there's like a, there's this kind of underlying understanding of like, yeah, but we've got the same thing going on. You know, it's like, we do it better than you, but we got the same thing. And, and, and that's really tough because it's very hard to break the, no, we don't, you know, like these are two completely different things going on. Um, and you know, I, yeah, that's a very difficult conversation to have if you're talking with a Mormon, 
because they're like, oh, no, no, you know, I grew up in church and, you know, like I'm a, you know, like I'm part of the LDS church, but I'm a Christian. Like those are, that's a very hard conversation to breach mm. um, when, when they're talking about church. Then you have friends. Yes. Yeah, so you have my Mormon friends. Then you have friends who are just kind of culturally Christian. My dad and I were just talking about people who grew up in the Bible belt of like, yeah, you know, Jesus, he's a good guy, you know, God, I believe in him. And so I think their view is like, why are you so invested in this? Like what's, I mean, like we're kind of, you, you know, they, they view us as the same kind of the way that Mormons view us as the same, but their angle on it is different. Cause they're like, we're the same, but like, why are you so intense, dude? You know, like, you know, God is God and Jesus is Jesus. Like, why are you so, you know, like, you know, I go to church on Christmas too. Like what's the big deal? Um, and so there's, and so there's that category. And I think the other category is, confused and I find this one is the biggest indictment about the way I view my life is the last category of friends who are just confused as to why I would mostly people who grew outside of any religious context like their parents don't have any kind of like you know um, a religious alignment at all they're confused about why I would ever engage in this way that hurts me and it and it indicts my lifestyle because I'm like the beauty of the gospel should shine so brightly in me that there's no question as to why I would choose this. They still have a question. So I've still got work to do. Um, but yeah, I feel those four categories, Mormons kind of vaguely religious and non-religious and confused. Yeah. So, uh, what are like misconceptions that your non-Christian friends have about going to church or following Christ or who Jesus is? Any like misconceptions that they say, Oh, well, you know, Christianity is just a bunch of rules or something that, you know, you know, is, is not right or accurate. I think, uh, well, when you said that first thing that came to my mind was the whole, uh, churches for perfect people mm. mindset where, and I've gotten that before. It's like, Hey, you messed up here. Aren't you supposed to be Christian? And it's it's I just ouch. You know, I'm like, yeah. ah, didn't know we were holding that, you know. <laughs> but, hey, you're Catholic. What are you doing? I don't know. Uh, and so I guess I, I I've had people who almost get scared of it where they're cause they, you know, we always talk about like you go to the hospital if you're sick, you go to church because you're a sinner. And so I, I think that is one misconception that people just get wrong all the time. Like, yeah. Other misconceptions? Um, I get a huge one of just like, you know, politics and science, you know, hasn't science disproven this is a huge one. Just like, what well, you know, like what you, you guys still believe this weird thing over here. Um, and so, you know, you know, I get that a lot and, uh, you know, like I'm more academically minded and so I feel like I can kind of hold my own on the, you know, Here's where Christianity engages with science well. Um, shout out the books of William Lane Craig. I think he's probably one of the greatest apologists alive right now. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the, the other side is politics. Is, isn't evangelical Christianity this kind of political monolith? You guys hate gay people. You guys don't care about the poor and the homeless. You guys definitely don't care about me. You don't care about immigrants. You don't care about anything you know, basically, except for money and white people, basically, is kind of the kind of the vibe I get is like, they're friendly with me. But there's this assumption that politically, I'm not in alignment with them, which is really frustrating, especially when it comes down to like particular issues, 
sexuality. I mean, just my personal story, that one hits me. But like also more on more like economic stuff, like poor people or like immigrants. I'm like, I could show you all the passages in the Old Testament that talk about this. But wh- where I don't feel equipped in that conversation is there is some truth to what they're saying. Yeah. But but you're uh, you would say that there people are not really able to see the holistic gospel. Yeah, that, that is it is um, a sense of freedom, but a sense of caring and loving for the poor and the fatherless, and and you know that we're all image bearers. The way the way they see Christianity is the way which it has been shown to them, either by Christians or by you know kind of the. Uh, like political reproductions of Christians or the media or yeah. Um, which is, you know, you, you really care about you and you care about your weird book and you don't care about anybody else unless they're willing to accept your propositions. Yeah. Um, and that's just uh, such an incredible misunderstanding of the gospel that hurts me. Cause I know that a lot of it isn't be- it isn't coming because they're, you know, they're dumb. It's because they've been shown bad versions of the gospel, awful counterfeit reproductions of the gospel for their entire life. Yeah. What any misconceptions, uh, Josiah? I, I mean, along a similar lines, I've heard a lot said to me like, oh, isn't the Bible just written by a bunch of old misogynistic <laughs> men? <laughs> the white guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and like, that's, that's hard for me because what do you say by that? It was written by a lot of, you know, older men, um, but Middle Eastern men, yeah, Yeah. Middle Eastern, right, right. (laughs) Um, but the thing that I think, you know, people talk about trying to disprove or like decon, uh, I'm not going to use that word, but yeah, (laughs) trying to to disprove the Bible in a lot of ways, um, and it's like, these are smart people. Mm-hmm. You know, you read about these theologians, and this isn't just some, like, old white guy in Boston who's writing a theology. Like, this guy has studied the Bible, so you can read good commentaries. And so it's it's hard when people just say, oh, it was written by this person, so it's bad. I I, I think, you know, everybody can have good things to say. Yeah. And so I've, I've struggled with that. So uh, anything you would change about our church? From a, a more of a your generation, like this is an area where Redemption Church Gateway could grow or um, expand its thinking, still biblically based, but in a way that would allow us to really reach your generation. I think one thing that comes to mind would be Well, okay, so our, our church does the little series, mini, I guess, one service a year or something like that, where they, it's called their Ask Anything uh, services. And I think once a year might not be enough. Because, oh. like, I feel like there are times where, and sometimes you don't want to directly go to a pastor and be like, hey, you know, like, I got this issue. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Can I have two guns or three guns? <laughs> Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but I, especially at my age right now, it's like I've found so many questions that I've had that I'm just like, mm. I, especially just in, in general, like as I'm 
moving along in life, you know, growing up, looking to move out, stuff like that. You're like, what am I supposed to do here? I'm lost. It's not exactly like what's the Bible's direct answer, but what, what would a Christian, how would I image a Christian in this? You know, how can I do this in the image of God? So, so I know you guys all had uh, pretty vibrant and, and great uh, experiences with youth group. So in terms of asking questions, did you felt like the youth group provided a good environment to ask questions? Was it a safe space to say, this might be a dumb question or controversial question? Like, did you feel like you had, your mentors were going to allow you to ask just the craziest, you know, most interesting questions that you are, you're wrestling with? Was it a safe place? Yeah, I think at least in my group, our smaller groups, yeah. our small groups is what they called them, uh, certainly was. And I, I've definitely heard some some dumb questions. <laughs> <being asked>. but, <laughs> um, but I definitely think they did a good job with that. It was just more of we don't have that post-youth group now. I mean, we have the college group, but it is different. Plus, now I have different questions, you know. Yeah. And, and these questions are only going to, uh, they're just going to keep coming, you know, after college group, then what, you know? So I feel so like besides and ask anything, any ideas and like other environments to be able to ask questions. I mean, it was like a, a brought up like speculation thing, but I don't know how, if it's going to happen anymore, but they were talking about like a, like a ask your question podcast type thing. But, oh, okay. Um, but I don't know what the plan is for that. Cool I was yeah, kind of excited is, for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, well, I know some people, so <laughs> see, see if we can. What do you, what do you think, Josiah? Um, Anything you'd change about our church, our church, not the church universally, but <laughs> Redemption church. church Gateway. Um, I, I think, you know, going to the idea of the church as the people more than the organization. Um, I, I feel like there are a lot of people that do not feel loved that do not feel seen and connected. And I think organizationally, our church, you know, there's a ton of different things to get you connected. You've got RC groups. You've got, you know, different surge classes, start here, rooted. Um, but I, people, I feel like a lot of attender attendees don't take advantage of those. Mm. Um, but I think if you had somebody come up to you that you kind of knew, they built a relationship with you and they say, hey, let's go do this class together. It's like, Okay, sure. And so I think that community of talking to strangers, you know, in our culture mm-hmm. in America, that is a hard thing. Yeah. Um, but I like if everybody at the church on a Sunday talked to one person that they didn't know, I think our culture as a at Redemption Gateway would completely change. That's a great call. I love that. If you're listening, I... Man, Josiah, that's that's fantastic. And uh, <laughs> same with yours, Josh. Like, ask ask more questions. Uh, have a you know, find people that will will listen to you and 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 really take your questions seriously. But Josiah, just you know, talk to somebody. If you haven't met them, like find them on a Sunday. Find them, you know, or if you're list, if you're youth in the youth group, like find somebody that you haven't met and go up and talk to them. That's that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Jacob, what would you change about Redemption Church Gateway? Been going here a long time. Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think specifically from a, from a Gen Z perspective is um, there's a frustration with 
the church's engagement with political material. Um, I think our church has gotten leagues better over the past, especially five years, over when there's some when when there's a political um, issue that needs to be addressed. Our church is getting way better about you know here's how we you know address it. Um, but there are malignant cultural forces that just invade us that make people put something above God. You know, they think that their candidate or their, um, you know, their particular like, like, like political subculture is, is their salvation. Mm. And God is this kind of supporting character in it, in this grand narrative. Um, and I know that when you're, you know, when you're running a church, it's tough to, you know, from the pulpit say things that, you know, things that need to be said, alliances that need to be made. Um, that is tough when you're, you know, when you are, here's a, you know, some tough waters to navigate of like, you're, you're a church, but you're also an organization, you know, no church I think starts out or at least no church should start out wanting to look at the numbers of like money and people, how many people are attending, how much money are we making? These are questions we don't want to be asking, but I think all of a sudden when you get, especially as big as we are, when you get to a point where there's political content, all of a sudden, that begins to, at least abstractly, you know, kind of in the imagination, begins to collide with, well, if we start engaging politically, we're going to lose money or people over here. Are we willing to do that? And sometimes I get the feeling that our church uh, tends to fall under the, uh, the flinch of, we're going to not say certain things because it will protect the audience in a way. Um, but I, 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 I would like to see growth in the area of, you know, when we're seeing political forces take hold of people in our church, that's not just, you know, they're wearing a t-shirt and that's okay. It's something is jeopardizing their, their faith in Christ they, some, something is coming in and booting God from their priority, and we need to be swifter about acting upon that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's so important to be in community, to ask questions, because you'll get it if you're not in community, if you're not in proximity, and you're wrestling with the media or a political issue or something going on, and you don't have people to talk to about or to process through or having an opportunity, like you say something that's a little bit off and for a friend to come alongside, say, Hey, that that's not right. Like that's not what Christ is calling us to whatever the issue is. Like, I think that was one thing that was difficult for around 2020 is we had all, you know, we had COVID, we had all the political stuff. We had the race stuff. We had a lot of stuff going on and we were locked down and we couldn't be with each other. And so you had people who were just kind of in their own heads in their own homes and they didn't have the, the community and the opportunities to ask questions and to iron sharpens iron in terms of just kind of like, okay, 
let's keep our minds focused on Christ and not get kind of consumed. So a um, couple of fun, rapid, uh, rapid fire questions to wrap up. Um, are you a night owl or an early morning person? Uh, I'm definitely a night owl. Force myself to be morning person. Oh, okay. <laughs> night owl, 100%. All right. Would you rather be more creative or more analytical? I mean, I'm definitely more, I think, creatively minded, but so I, I, I mean, I would want to be more analytical, but I kind of like being creative. So I'd say more creative. Okay. There you go. More creative. More creative. I, my creativity gets in the way <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I, I think I would like to be a little bit more, anical, a little bit more analytical. Yeah. Nice. If you could live anywhere, where would you live besides beautiful Arizona? Either Italy or Norway. Yeah, definitely strong. Greece, Greece, okay. I just came, I I just moved back from Chicago, and that is my second home. (laughs) All right. All right, final question. If you were to open a restaurant, what would be the cuisine? Uh, I would open a macaroni-themed restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a fun name for it? Man. All Elbows? Uh, well, because there is one called Elbows. Oh, really? That already exists. So oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. I, I would have to call it like... Mac and Jesus. No, Mac, uh, Mac and Roll. Like Mac Rock and, and Roll. Oh, Mac yeah. and Roll. Nice. Would you play rock and roll music while yeah, people ate mac, mac, macaroni and cheese? Yeah. Strong. Okay. <laughs> Restaurants? Oh, shoot. I don't know. I, I love classic kind of like I, I, I have this weird thing with like ballparks and their food, like hot dogs and hamburgers and popcorn and like beer and peanuts, like like that, like that kind of combo. Like, so like, like almost like a baseball themed restaurant, but no it would baseball? not be baseball themed. It would not be baseball <laughs> themed, but I love that kind of. Um, that that strange ballpark mixture oh, of okay. food. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Churros? Would the churros be on there? Yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> I think I would want, I don't know. You say, it, like, the first thing that comes to my mind is just, like, fries. Like, French fries or, Ooh. like, curly fries. Or just any type you can think of. And Do you have a favorite kind of French fry? Oh, definitely curly fries. Curly fries. Is it seasoned oh, or wow. non-seasoned? Seasoned. Seasoned. Yeah. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I mean, just the unique vantage point of, of growing up in the church um, and being under uh, teaching and just just the whole uh, going through puberty and just the development and being a, in a church who loves you and cares for you. Um, and, and just thank you. I mean, we're not a perfect church, but, you know, I think um, our, our goal is to make disciples and point people to, to Christ. And so, for you guys to be able to share kind of your experience, especially around uh, youth group is, has been, I think very encouraging for me and, and for us listening. But uh, for those of you listening, we hope you're encouraged, maybe a little entertained. We love you so much. We hope that this podcast has been uh, insightful, especially those of you who are parents who are uh, raising kids and raising uh, the next generation. Uh, our goal is to equip you, but uh, we love you. And in Jesus,